Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. Good morning. Good morning. How we doing, Thrive? Come on, 1030. Y'all came ready. Let's go. This is a good day. How many of you just excited that it's not 100 degrees outside? Come on, anybody. Praise Praise the lamb that was slain. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Hey, listen, before we move on with the service, do me a favor. Can we welcome everybody online real quick that's watching online with us? Facebook and YouTube, thank you for joining us for our online experience. And hey, right now, if you're in the room, go ahead and go on Facebook right now. Go ahead and share the service if you can or tag us. We want people to know we're here and that they can come to a church that would love them and welcome them. And listen, you never know who's watching. I say this every week. But I'm telling you, it's true. You never know who's watching, and you never know the person you've been bugging at work to come to church, sees your video, and all of a sudden they show up. I'm telling you, it happens. And so if you want, go ahead and go to Facebook right now. Go ahead and share. And we're just going to jump right in. I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to preach. I'm excited to share. I believe that um, first service was powerful, and we're going to go ahead and go for it. This service, and there's going to be some things that I believe we're going to really talk about that are really going to help some people, that are really going to begin to bring... Uh, light into some dark things and bring some clarity and, and real freedom stuff is going to happen today. So, so you picked a good one to come to church this morning. It's going to be good. Do me a favor. Stand your feet. Let's jump into the word. Come on. Stand your feet with me. For those that are new, so excited to have you with us today. Every time we speak or we talk and we, we talk about the Bible here, we, we stand up when we read the word of God because it's the thing that we stand on. Come on now. And so we, we do out of honor. We do it out of reverence. We do it out of respect. Today's an easy one. You only got two verses, though, so I'm not going to read like a whole chapter, so you're good, all right? We're good. Here we go. Philippians chapter 4. We're continuing our series on the book of Philippians entitled, It Is Not an Accident, and it says this, verse 8, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think. Everybody say think. think. Everybody say it one more time. Think. think. Think about these things which you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Come on, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this morning. Thanks for this church. Thank you for the individuals in this room. God, I pray your presence would rest on us and that God as we talk about what I believe is a transformative conversation, Jesus, that you would speak through me, that I would decrease and you would increase, and that our hearts and minds would be open to what you have to say this morning. We love you. We thank you. And in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. 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 Go and have a seat. All right. Good stuff. So love this series on Philippians. How many of you have enjoyed the It's Not an Accident series? God's spoken to you. One of the things I love as a, as a preacher in this series um, just give you a little bit of preacher, te- teacher, speaker tips, is sometimes we do series, we have a concept, or we have an idea, and what we do is then we go into the Bible to begin to reference or back up the thought, which is good. It's, it's not necessarily the worst thing ever, but in this series in particular, what I've enjoyed about it is um, every week I just go into the book of Philippians and I let the book tell me what I'm going to preach on. Does that make sense? And, and one of the beautiful things about the Philippians, the, bu- the book of Philippians, the book to the church of Philippi that Paul talks about is he just talks about a bunch of stuff. 
You're getting a holistic view of the gospel, which I think is so healthy and so refreshing. And so we're at the tail end. We're going to be ending the series next week. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be good. Again, challenging, transformative, life-changing. I really believe that. And so today, which is kind of connected to what we talked about last week, we're going to be talking about the renewing of our mind. We're going to talk about our thought process. We're going to talk about this guy up here. And the reason being is because Paul so explicitly states that the the way we think and how we think is so important to our walk and following of Jesus and his way. I love this verse today because it's super easy and it's super simple to understand. You're not going to get deep, intense revelation stuff today. Maybe, I don't know, but more than likely you're not. Why? Because Paul addresses the church... And what's happening is there's a lot of disunity. And Paul says, listen, we can't have disunity. I know you're anxious. You don't need to be anxious. How many can relate to that? We got in in a culture that's more anxious than any other culture right now. Everything feels like it's all over the place. And Paul just says, "Let let me show you how to think. And how many know that's really nice? Because some of us don't even know how to act. Like we barely know how to figure ourselves out. We don't even know how to act. But it's nice that the Bible is very clear to know how to think. And my question to everyone in the room today, which is gonna be the point of the conversation, is what if we changed our mindset? Some of you came in the room, and I think we all come from different backgrounds. We all come from different stories, and I think they're all important and they're all valuable. The thing, though, about the gospel is that once you get saved and once you follow Jesus and once you decide to have a relationship with God and and you are allowing yourself to be formed into the image of Jesus and you're becoming a disciple, what we began to do is lay down the things that we've learned and we began to line up with the things that Jesus teaches us on how we're supposed to behave and act and think and believe. That's very fundamental. But why I say that is because oftentimes, and Paul addresses it, is that we don't just come into church with different backgrounds. We don't come into church with different uh, experiences. We, we come into a building or, or a setting like this with different mentalities. And the thing about it is, is Paul is explicitly clear that there's a specific mentality you and I have to have. And it's a mentality that's not centered around us or that's not centered around experience, but it's centered around the gospel and the word of God, which is through Jesus. And for some of us, that could be hard, but it's very important we begin to allow our mindset to be changed. So it's kind of like what we were talking about last week. Thank God that Jesus didn't just redeem our spirit, but he redeemed our emotions. He redeemed our physicality. He redeems our social life. And thank God Jesus redeems our mind and our intellect. The Bible talks about in Romans how He says, do not be conformed by this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He talks about it in another epistle where he says, now you have the mind of Christ. He talks about it in Psalms where where the Bible actually speaks of in Psalms 23 where it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He lies down by green pastures. He puts me by still waters. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel no evil. All that verse in Psalms 23. But he says this one particular line. He says, and he anoints my head with oil. Love it. What, what, what the writer's saying in that psalm is that what, what shepherds would do is they would anoint the head of a sheep so that way bugs didn't get in the ears and mess with their mindset. And here's what I have learned is that you can have 
all the right talk of being a Christian, but your mind needs to be shifted into the gospel. And what we need is a proper biblical perspective and a healthy mindset that's shifted not based on a worldly secular ideology or a humanistic mentality, but actually a very fundamental and transformative gospel mentality that's a renewed mindset that can only happen by the blood of Jesus, the love of the Father, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I believe this is that when we begin to become in unity with our minds, I believe God can call us to do anything. What if we changed our mindset? What if we changed the way we think? Paul would talk to the church of Philippi and call them and challenge them to the same question. He would say, hey, church, I know you have these different mindsets and these different things and these different thought processes, but what if we were all on the same mindset? And then he explains what that mindset is. So we're going to go through those in a minute. But let me just kind of break down a little bit more about this topic. Because before we even get into what Paul says, what we should think, I want to make sure that we understand that we have power over our minds. And so let me just say this statement, which I think is going to help some people in the room, is your thoughts need your permission. Your thoughts. I want, I want you to really... Your thoughts need your permission to stay in your mind. And so, I, you ever met that person, and this might be you, and I'm not trying to be mean, uh, but, if, but if, it, if it's you, then I, I don't know what to do about that. Um, you ever just meet that person that's just like, I just, I just didn't think, I just did? Right? Or you just, I wasn't thinking about it, I just did it. It's like, no, you thought about it. Now, the thought was really, really small, but before you sock that dude in the mouth, you thought about it. For all the Stockton people in the room. I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, 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 my wife's from Stockton, okay? I know. There's this really popular TikTok that's going around that, um, I don't know why, but like there's this really popular TikTok where the spouse, like, like the husband normally or the boyfriend, like flinches at the wife to see like the wife's reaction. Anybody see those? So for fun, I just did it to my wife. And I, I kid you not, I was about to get a black eye. I was like, what's up, baby? She's like, what? What you going to do? And I'm like, come down, Stockton. <laughs> Never again. She's small. She's like this tall and this wide, but she'll fight you. Thank God for my wife. Where was I even going with that? <laughs> Forget it. Anyways. Your thoughts do need your permission. Before you do something irrational, before you do something crazy, your thoughts need your permission. Why do I say that? Because I, I believe we live in a culture that tells you that you don't have control over your mind. And so we are just responding without any form of consequence or effects. And for some reason, we live in such an intellectual culture where everything has to be intellect and everything has to be logic and everything has to be reason, but yet our lives don't match up to the logical fallacies that we have. And next thing you know, what we begin to do is, is your life begins to look different than what you actually believe and what you actually say. And, and I believe the reason why that is, and Paul would address it in the same manner, is because you have not allowed Jesus to conquer your mind. And I say conquer because there is a war over your mind. And there are times where it feels like there's a battle 
over your mind, and it can feel like you are fighting yourself again and again and again. But the beautiful thing about Jesus is he says that you are not just a conqueror, you're more than a conqueror. And why does he say that? Because why he means is that you don't have to be the one in the war, you just have to walk into the spoils of the war. And so more than a conqueror means that I already fought the fight for you. Oh, I'm preaching to someone today. And so some of us who are battling things right now, I, I felt this in the room What before even everyone came in is that there were going to be people that were going to come into this place that are battling with things in their mind. And I came to tell you some good news, that the battle has already been won, that Jesus has already died on the cross, that by the power of his resurrection, your mind can be renewed and transformed. And that what you have to do is begin to surrender your thoughts to his thoughts. The battle you are fighting is not on your own, but the battle you have to fight is the battle to let go. And what you and I have to understand is that every thought, the Bible says that every thought can be held captive against the knowledge of Jesus. The wages of our warfare are not carnal, right? But they're against principalities and powers and demonic stuff and all, you know, the Bible talks about that and I think it's important to understand that when a thought, a negative thought, an impure thought, an unjust thought, a sinful thought comes into my mind, what we tend to do is make a home for it instead of tell it to go. Let me talk to Hispanics in the room because you all relate for a minute. And I'm Hispanic too, so it works. If you go to my house or I go to your house and it's the first time I go to your house, hopefully you made me dinner. Let's just be honest. <laughs> hopefully you made me dinner. And the first time I go to your house... Or you go to my house, hopefully I made you dinner. More than likely we're going to buy out food, but I'm just being real. <laughs> and the first time you come, or the first time I come, in Hispanic households at least, man, I'm going to get up for you. I'm going to make sure the house is clean. Come on. Oh, can I get a soda or can I get a water? Absolutely. Let me get you. You want ice? You want no ice? You want sparkling? You want no sparkling? Mexicans, let's be honest, there's no sparkling water in our house. <laughs> All this millennial Gen Z, LaCroix, nonsense. It's nasty, watered-down Sprite. Let's just put that on a preaching clip. It's gross. But, but right, like you're going to be hospitable. You're going you're gonna to get up. You're going to make sure everything's good, right? And it's like, no, no. And I just think like the, like the, the Hispanic grandma, you know, like the Mama Coco type. You know what I'm talking about? And it's like, no, mijo, it's okay. I got it. I got it, right? And if you're like not Mexican, just go to someone's house. You'll understand. And, um, but the second time you go, and you sit on the couch, and you're like, hey, can I get a water? Mijo, go get your own water. <laughs> go, you, you, do you have legs? Yes, I have legs. Well, go get your own water. <laughs> you know, you, you got to make sure there's no flying chanclas. Those are sandals. No flying sandals. And, and that's how it is in the context. And what I have discovered is... The first time someone comes, they're not family. The second time someone comes into a house, they are family. And have we made our thoughts that are not of Jesus familiar in a home that they shouldn't be welcomed in? Have we allowed the thoughts of the enemy, the thoughts of our flesh, the thoughts of sin, the thoughts of shame, the thoughts of doubt, the thoughts of suicide, the thoughts of depression, the thoughts of anxiety, the thoughts of the world, the thoughts of the things that we know we shouldn't be filling our mind with, the garbage of the things that would try to fill our mind? Have we made them a room instead of letting them not be a part of who we are? They are only their family because you let them. Whether you like that or not, that's the truth. 
Whether you like it or not, that's the truth. Why? Because you have been redeemed. You have been renewed. You have been restored. You have been set free. You have been justified by the gospel, by the blood of Jesus. He covers you. He has washed you. He has cleansed you. And so if there's anything that would try to be there that's not of Jesus, you got to let them in. And that hurts because then it's on us. But it's true. It's true. And, and, and I love that when we talk about certain things that even are controversial or even that are intense, the goal is not to make you feel bad. The goal is freedom and healing and restoration. God's not wanting to make you feel like your thought process is horrible and you're just a sinner. No, no. He's trying to reveal some things that you have allowed in your life so that way, therefore, you don't have those things in your life so that way you can be the son and daughter of God that God designed you to be. When I understood this, that my thoughts can be held captive, when I understood that my thoughts need permission to live inside my mind, then you begin to realize that, okay, imagine my mind is an empty vessel. And can I tell you that what you fill your mind with, you will become. It's just, it's just basic. It's just, it's easy to follow. It sounds so simple, but yet it's so profound. And I kid you not, if you're living a life where you're struggling with habitual sin and you're struggling with going back to your past and, and it seems like you can't get free from your trauma and you can't get free from this stuff, what, what I would ask is what are the things you fill your mind with? And if I, and no one knows except for you. See, that's the hard thing about the mind. The hard thing about the mind is that no one will know what's really inside there except for you and Jesus. And so you can fake all you want. You can pretend till you're blue in the face. But until you have an actual moment where you say, Jesus, the God of the universe, Holy Ghost, help me in my mind. Transform my mindset. Let me not think like a victim. Let me not think like someone who was an, a victim. Let me not think of all these other mindsets that are not of you and let me think like you then watch what God would begin to do in the normal parts of your life because out there I'm just using it as a metaphoric but, but out there people who don't know Jesus they're dying right now they're hurting you know what the number one classes in colleges all across America? Happiness, purpose, and how to have a healthy mind. Because they don't know how to stop the thoughts they're not supposed to have. Right. You, know, you know what every Gen Zer and, and millennial is struggling with, and, and just people in general, is, is how to have a healthy, proper mind. And I'm not neglecting mental health. I think it's absolutely important and absolutely biblical. But I'm also saying that there is a solution to the crisis of mental health in America. And it's not a seven-step seven program. It's not another podcast. It's not another book. That the gospel is sufficient for everything that is broken today. And that we believe for those that are followers of Jesus. That if God can heal me and God can redeem me and God... God can set me free, then God can do the same thing for you because he is no respecter of persons. And if he can do it for one, he can do it for another. And your mind is not too far and your mind is not too broken and your mind is not too messed up. God help us to renew our mind. God help us to think like you. God help us 
to have a healthy understanding of a true mentality of Jesus. And it hurts me as a pastor. It hurts me. The, the inner, like, evangelist preacher comes out in me when I think of the people that I know that are struggling with their mind, and it just feels like they have no authority. They have no hope. They're lost. And, and I came to tell someone in the room today that, no, there is hope, and his name is Jesus. And I'm not saying you got to quit therapy, and I'm not saying that it's never going gonna to go away like a, like a magical wand or something. No, no. But I am saying is there's freedom in him, and that God will walk you through this, and your mind does not have to be shattered in pieces or broken or lonely, depressed, anxious, and suicidal. Why? Because Jesus still heals today. And that God will give you the necessary power in your spirit and in your soul to begin to combat the things that you think are trying to take you out in here. He's got you because he always has. And why would that change? Paul describes this as what I would define as a gospel mentality. We need a gospel mentality. And, and it can be called certain things, a gospel mentality, a mind of Christ, a transformed mind, a renewing of the mind, the, 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 a mindset of a son or a daughter, the mindset of someone who is a disciple. It doesn't matter what you call it. The, 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 the Christianese doesn't matter. What matters is, am I, is my mind centered on the things that Jesus would want my mind centered? And from that now, my life begins to live in the capacity that God has called me to live. Okay. And so Paul describes seven things, seven ways in this verse on how we're supposed to have a gospel mentality, okay? Get ready. Take some notes. Number one, here we go. Number one, we need to have thoughts of truth. Can I tell you, this is one of the easiest ones to have, especially if you're struggling with sin. And so let me be very vulnerable. The sin I struggle with, because I'm a young man, and every young man probably struggles with this sin, every man struggles with this sin, one of the big ones is a sin of lust, is this temptation of lust. And so what do I do? When I'm struggling with lust, when I'm tempted with lust, I don't just bare knuckle it and watch more Netflix. No, I have to allow truth, scripture, the Bible to enter my mind. And when truth and scripture enters my mind, when I begin to repeat scripture that I know, it begins to negate the negative thought, the sinful thought, the tempted thought, and now my life is not going to fall into a sinful trap, but it's going to live in freedom that Jesus designed me to live. So when a lustful thought comes to my mind, I begin to declare Psalms 24, for example, that who can ascend the hill of the Lord, ones with the clean hands and a pure heart. I begin to remind myself that I am called to be pure. I begin to remind myself that God has made me pure. I begin to remind myself that I will not let anything dictate my relationship with Jesus and that sinful thought has no authority in my life. And I declare Psalms 24. I declare Matthew 5 that blessed are the pure at heart for they shall see God. I say, God, I want to see you and I'm not going to let that mess me up seeing you. And so... We need thoughts of truth. And in a generation, I shared this a little bit about it, first service, and I don't want to go into too much in the rant, but we are living in a capacity now in a generation in a time frame where we are the most biblically illiterate generation in the history of the United States. We don't know the Bible. We just don't. It's sad. They're guessing by the end, by 2050, in the next 30, 40 years, majority of the nation, less than 10% will actually know Scripture. And I'm not talking scripture like memorization. I'm talking like just the basics, like Moses and the Red Sea, David and Goliath, even the story of Jesus. We don't know. No wonder we are fighting 
against something. And no wonder it feels like we're losing the battle of our mind because we have no truth in our mind to begin to fight the things that the enemy would try to do in us or society would try to give us or the lies that we would try to believe because there's no truth entered in because we don't know. We need to fall in love with the Bible, friends. We need to fall in love with the word again. I'm talking about a love affair with scripture. I'm talking about you read, not because you have to, but because you want to. I think it's interesting when I, when I have conversations as a pastor with young people or marriages, for example, or people that are struggling, and I ask them, how often do you read? Or how, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. How often do you listen? Because now you can listen to it on your phone. It's never been so easy. Just turn it on. You could even be in Morgan Freeman's voice. Come on now. That's who I believe God sounds like. I'm just going to be honest. It's never been so easy to get the Bible in you. There's never been so many resources. There's never been so many podcasts and so many sermons. There's never been so many preachers. All of you, you watch this church and then you watch another church when you get home most of the time. Come on, be real. I know. I know you got another online pastor. I still love you, okay? (laughs) But yet, why are we so biblically illiterate? It's because we don't fall in love with the word. We fall in love with the entertainment of the word or the idea of the word. But I want to challenge us to fall in love with the word. And then when we fall in love in the word, that word becomes thoughts of truth. And those truth thoughts, those thoughts of truth begin to sit in our mind. And and as we begin to sit on it and pray on it and read about it and meditate, it's what David says, that night and day I meditate on your law. We need thoughts of truth. We need thoughts of truth. That's the first thing. To have a gospel mentality, you need thoughts of truth. Number two, you need thoughts of honor. How do we think of other people? Are we always looking at the bad in other people? Now, I'm not saying people aren't going to do you dirty. They're going to do you dirty. We're all real here. We, we know. We got, we got that one person that sits across from us at work. You know what I'm saying? We got that one cousin that we don't want to see at Thanksgiving. Come on. It's okay. What I'm saying is what's consuming your mind? It's consuming your mind. And this is for people who, like myself, struggle with people who have... De- I've been hurt, I've been let down, I've been betrayed. I, I have a tendency to always think the worst of people and I always think I'm gonna get uh, hurt by someone. Always, I always just think someone's gonna do me wrong. And, and next thing you know, if I would count the thoughts in my brain, are the thoughts that I have of people thoughts of honor and people that are honorable and people that have done honor and honorable things and I'm looking at people's lives and I'm thinking the things that they've done that are honoring God or am I always just looking at the things that people do that have hurt me, that have wronged me, that have done me wrong and next thing you know, no wonder you're so anxious and depressed because you're thinking about something that you're not supposed to be thinking about the whole day. Paul says, think of whatever is honorable, put that in your mind. We need to have thoughts of honor. Number three, we need to have thoughts of justice. Now, justice is a really uh, politically charged word today. So I'm not going to get into all that. Paul is talking about the context of justice is the right thing and the wrong thing. And so even as us, as people who follow Jesus, we don't look at political perspectives. We don't look at people. We don't look at things based on just our opinion. We look at it based on is it the right thing or is it the wrong thing? Am I focusing on my life on doing the wrong things or am I focusing on doing the right things? Real easy. We need to have thoughts of justice. Do thoughts of justice come into our mind? Do we allow the justice of God to sit and rest on us? The thoughts of doing what God would do versus what God wouldn't do. That's very important. It's very important. And, 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 and I'm not just talking on a broad 
political sense. Please do not, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying to you and what I'm challenging myself today is if I'm always thinking about the thing I know I'm not supposed to be doing versus the thing I know I'm supposed to be doing, chances are I'm going to fall into the thing I'm not supposed to be doing because it's injustice against God. I need to do the right thing. And by doing the right thing, it has nothing to do with doing the right thing. It has to do about thinking about doing the right thing. You start there. Number four is thoughts of purity. You need thoughts of holiness. Are your thoughts set apart? Are your thoughts consecrated? Are your thoughts pure? Are your th- like if God looked at your mind, would he be happy? Whew, that's scary. You know, I think it's funny because we often teach in church that Jesus hears your thoughts and your prayers. And he even hears your prayers when you think it. But then that means he also hears the other stuff that you think. That's the scary we, we want him to hear our prayers, but we don't want to hear him when we're struggling with the temptations of our mind of sexual desires or immorality or idolatry or addiction. We, and, and the truth is, is he's still there. And he still shows up and he still tells you he loves you and he still wants to set you free. But what he wants to do is he wants you to think of not of those things. He wants you to put in your mind thoughts of holiness and thoughts of purity. Thoughts of you walking in purity. Thoughts of you walking in holiness. Here's a common one for me. Instead of having all these negative thoughts, I think about how I'm going to love my wife today. I think about how I'm going to love my son today. I, I actually put in my thoughts and I go through memories about how much I've loved my son or how much I love my wife and, and specific moments. When I feel like I'm off or I'm beginning to stray and I'm beginning to fall into unholy or unpure thoughts, I line them back up with thoughts of God. Thoughts of purity. Again, because what you feel is what you'll become. Number five is thoughts of love. The Bible says that God is love in 1 John. So the way I defined it, just in kind of breaking this down, is I'm not, it's just not love like a concept and a feeling. Do we think of God? The Trinity. Do we think of the Father's love? Do we know that there's a God that loves us and he's for us and he loves us? Do we think of Jesus and the cross and the resurrection? Do we think of the Holy Spirit? Here's the reality. Most of us, God is a second or aftermath, th- aftermath thought of what we are actually going through throughout our day. We only think of God when we need God. And can I tell you, when you, only, when you have a relationship that only thinks of someone when you need them, that means the relationship is transactional and not authentic. And nobody wants to be that person that only gets thought of when they're needed. So why would you think God likes that as well? Do I think of God? Do I have thoughts of God? I'm not saying you have to completely think of God 24-7. If you do, that's awesome. But if you don't, I'm just saying you have to allow yourself to fill your mind with, wow, God loves me. Wow, God's merciful. Wow, Jesus is kind. Wow, the Holy Spirit is powerful. Wow, the Comforter is with me. Wow, the Father embraces me. Man, I'm a son and a daughter in Him. Man, I'm a child. Man, I I, I know I'm called to serve. All those things. Do we allow ourselves to be filled with thoughts of God? I'm telling you, that's a big one. Watch. I challenge you to think of God. I'm just going to throw a number. 30 times a day. Count it and watch how your day changes. Instead of thinking of all the dumb stuff we think about all day long. I dare, I dare you to turn off Fox and CNN and think about God for an hour and watch your anxiety and depression and your worry go down. You can't do anything about the news that they're giving you anyways. You can't lower gas prices. You can't do none of that nonsense. But what you can do is get your mind right and think of Jesus. Just try it. Just try it. Just trying to help someone. Number six, thoughts of work. 
Thoughts of excellence. When you think of your job, are you thinking about it in an excellent manner? Or are you just trying to cut corners? Are you trying to do things a shady way? Or that, that stresses me out. I remember when I was little, I did not do well with lying and doing things wrong. I was thinking about it the other day. I was talking with a friend about it yesterday. When I was little, and my son's the same way. Like, I just got to look at him, and I know something's up, and he just folds. <laughs> Poor Zadok, he breaks. I just give him the stare, and he's like, okay, Dad, I messed up. I messed up. And it was, it's not even something big. It's like the smallest thing ever. He, my son's the greatest. He treats our car and our car rides like a confession booth. <laughs> right, babe? We'll be just be driving. And he just is like, guys, dad, I have, I'm sorry. And I'm like, what are you sorry? He's like, last week. <laughs> He's like, last week. And he, then he, he gets to start crying. He gets emotional. He has the cutest cry face. He looks like his mom. He has the cutest cry face. And he's like, I forgot to comb my hair. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And he goes, yeah, I forgot to comb my hair. And you told me to comb my hair. And I told you I did it, but I didn't do it, and I'm so sorry. <laughs> he just can't handle it. He just, he, apparently it's been heavy on his heart all week. <laughs> That's what some of you do every week in worship on Sunday. <laughs> I, want, I want thoughts where my, my mind is being filled of the things that I know are right and excellent and me doing the best, not just trying to cut corners and not trying to think of things that lack excellence. The things that lack excellence aren't a gospel mentality. And then lastly, thoughts of praise. Do we think of worship? When things go down, what's the first thing that comes to our mind? I want to live my life where when something goes bad, God, I worship you. When something goes good, God, I worship you. When something's like, meh, God, I still worship you. I want to thank God when it's bad and when it's good and when it's everywhere in between. I want my thoughts, my mind to be filled of thoughts of praise and worship and adoration and devotion to Jesus. Because he's worthy of it all, not just some of it. Thoughts of praise. So those are the seven. If you fill up your life with those seven thoughts consistently, I really believe that God's going to begin to shift things in your heart. Because here's the reality, and I'm going to close with this. Your thoughts become your actions. Your actions become your behavior. And your behavior becomes your lifestyle. Actions. Sorry. Thoughts. Actions. Behavior. Lifestyle. I'm going to say it again. Thoughts. Actions. Behavior. Lifestyle. I'm going to say it one more time so you think about it on the way to work tomorrow. Thoughts. Actions. Behavior. Lifestyle. Some of us are in lifestyle. We don't like our lifestyle. We don't like our sin. We don't like our decisions. We are known by something we shouldn't be known by. And this is what we do. Some of us are trying to change our action or change our behavior to change our lifestyle. But the truth is, is you're not going to change your lifestyle unless you change your behavior. And you're not going to change your behavior unless you change your action. And the only way you're going to change your action is you got to change the way you think. Thoughts, actions, behavior, lifestyle. And I love Pastor Jason just texted me a little while ago. Destiny. 
How you think is how you'll act. How you act is how you will act consistently. How you act consistently is who you will be known by. And who you will be known by will be how you're known for the rest of your life. You want to change the trajectory of your life. You want to change the brokenness, the messed upness, the, the, the shame, the guilt, the lies, the condemnation, the doubt, the insecurity. You want to change all that? Begin to let God change the way you think. Actions, sorry, thoughts, actions, behaviors, lifestyle. Thoughts, actions, behaviors, lifestyle. Thoughts, actions, behaviors, lifestyle. God, change my thoughts so my actions can line up with you. So my patterns and behaviors can represent you. And that way my lifestyle can be of one that is a follower of Jesus and not someone of this world. Some of us, are trying to cut a branch off that is not bearing fruit when the problem is the tree and you gotta get down to the root of it and the only way you're gonna fix it and the only way God's gonna fix it is you gotta go deep into the root and begin to pull it out. Some of us are focused so much on the behavior and the lifestyle of us struggling with depression and suicide and anxiety, but we are not allowing ourselves to go to the thought process of suicide and anxiety and depression, and we are not giving Jesus those thoughts, and we're not allowing Jesus to bring freedom, and we're not allowing Jesus to bring healing, and instead of allowing ourselves to be filled with thoughts of all the stuff we're not supposed to be filling our thoughts with, we got to start filling our thoughts with of who He is, and what God is, and what God says, and what God tells us to think, and watch our life lifestyle begin to change once God gets a hold of your mindset. I feel like God today wanted someone in the room to know I'm cleaning up the clutter. I'm going to clean the clutter today. I'm going to clean the clutter today. I'm going to go deep, not just in your heart, but in your mind. And I'm going to begin to clean the clutter of your mind because I want you to follow me to the capacity you know you're supposed to follow me. I want you to be close in the way you know that you're called to be close to God. Do me a favor, stand your feet with me. Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at thrivelathrop.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.